0: You're branding badass, and welcome to my new podcast, Branding Matters. Today I'm sitting down with Dane Walker, a brand strategist and founder of Victory Front, one of Australia's fastest growing brand design firms. Dane is known around the globe for his remarkable ability to put companies on the map at an accelerated rate, and his proven track record starts with himself. Dane began branding on Instagram and quickly grew his account to over 200,000 followers inside of 12 months. I invited Dane to be a guest on my show today to discuss branding on social media, specifically Instagram and LinkedIn. I also wanted to learn more about his personal brand and how a guy who was basically broke built a seven-figure income in less than two years. Dane... Welcome to Branding Matters.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited coming to <laughs> dive in.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you here. So before we get right into the questions, I just want to share with people that are listening how we connected because I love when things like this happen. I was following you on Instagram and one of your posts popped up and I mentioned brand and so it caught my eye and it was really bright. I don't even know if I actually told you this story. Have I shared this with you? I don't think so. No. Yeah. No. So you, so it popped up and I was like, who is this dude? And I checked out your grid and I thought it was really cool and I love what you had to say. That was the most important thing. And it was just around the time when I decided to launch this podcast and thinking of who I would have on. So you know you didn't know me from a hole in the wall. And I literally just reached out to you and said, hey, I'm in Canada. Dane is in Australia, by the way, people that are listening. I said I'm in Canada and I'm doing a podcast and you don't know me, but would you want to be on? I didn't hear back from you right away, which wasn't a surprise. And then when you did reply back, you were like, yo, And you're like, yeah. And so anyway, it was kind of funny how we connected. So I'm really happy to have you here. So thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. No, it's uh, it's cool. I like the community, and I like Instagram, and it's been a just a great tool to meet people. You know, I imagine if I was at a party, you can hide in the corner and put a post on the wall, and hopefully people walk over to you, or you can go out there and and engage with others and and get to meet people. So I, I look at it as a social setting, and I think that. It's great. It's great to meet you. I'm happy to have met so many people through Instagram. It's been an absolute gift.
0: Oh, I so I agree with you so much. So, quick question for you: At the, When you go to a party, are you the guy that sits down in the corner, or are you the one that gets up and walks around and introduces yourself to everybody, or do you wait for people to come to you?
1: I'm the guy that eats all the food. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually where wherever the alcohol and the beverages and the food is. I usually hang out there, which usually means that I end up having conversations with other people. So, when I go to a social setting, I certainly like to engage people. It's it's actually not my nature. My nature is to go hide. And And I was always like the shy kid that would hide. And it's not my inclination to be that way. But I just know the value of getting outside your comfort zone and just approaching people and introducing yourself. And the more you listen to someone, the more they like you anyway. So I just got really good at asking questions and listening and and made friends that way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I read somewhere that introverts actually make better networkers than extroverts. So would you consider yourself an introvert?
1: Yeah, big time.
0: Yeah. And that's the reason why, because introverts are better listeners. And so when they go out in public and they talk to people, they spend a lot more time listening and taking it in. And that's what makes them better at it. Interesting, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I'm way more excited to absorb someone in their thoughts versus uh, projecting my own. That's
0: one of the reasons why I did this podcast, because I love asking people questions. Perfect.
1: It's a perfect setting then. I know,
0: and now you're in the hot seat. Okay, so let's get right to it. Okay, so Dane, you got 200,000 followers on Instagram in under a year. There's a lot of people on Instagram, a lot of companies on Instagram, I'm on there, and they approach me, and I'm sure they approach everybody where they say, hey, we can sell you followers for this amount of fee, we can get you this many followers, this amount of fee, and so on and so on. And then there's other experts, and I use quotations that say the best way to get a lot of followers is to follow other people, comment on their comments, and, um, and like their comments. So did you use any of those tactics? And how did you get so many followers so quickly?
1: Great question. Zero of those tactics were (laughs) applied. Yeah, I personally have a pet peeve toward them. And and I certainly see all the possible pitches and uh, offers like I still get them even daily where they're like, Oh, we can, can crank your numbers up, we can do this and that. And I have had a lot of clients that have come to us that have had previously done that. And it's usually most often a horror story of my engagement, doesn't work. And I have all these followers, but nothing's happening anyways. So the only good that stuff's for is just making your page look like it's something that it's not. In my belief system is it's unintegral. It's unethical. It's a lie. I don't want to try to promote myself as someone I'm not. If I if I have an audience, fantastic, it's real. And if I don't, then I don't deserve one. That's just how I've always looked at it.
0: I, I mean, I'm the same way with you. I've never done any of that. And the thing I would think is that then your feed is full of people, A, you don't know, B, you don't care about. <laughs> and then they're commenting, like there's just no connection. There's no. Relationship relationship, there's no connection. So it's completely against being authentic and connecting with your audience. And it's it goes against all of that.
1: Yeah, I, I believe so. And I think that your intention is everything. And I think that if your intention is to have a vanity metric to say, look, I have 10k, uh, <laughs> exactly. knowing the fact that it's not real, just because you want to swipe up, it's usually not the case. Usually they want to appear as though they have leverage. appear as though they have big PR and that people care. You know, you can certainly architect it. I understand why business owners value that. And I understand why having a business with a large sum of followers is important. It's the same as like having a good Google rating. If you have a five-star Google rating, that's equivalent to having 10K followers. It's like, this is validated. I'm worthy of what I'm promoting. But the challenge is there's never a positive financial reward. And again, just from a, a human perspective, it, it's just unethical. You're doing the wrong thing. You're lying to people. Why would you want to do that? Yeah.
0: It's fake, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, it's fake. It's a lie. (laughs) You don't want to build your business on on an empire of lies. Exactly.
0: Okay, so then how the hell did you get 200,000 followers in under a year?
1: Really great question. It's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the simplest way I could put it is it comes down to branding. And I think, you know, the topic about your podcast is perfect for this matter. But branding is feeling people get, their experience, their journey, their belief systems, you know, alignment. Like, it's so many things. In essence, Marty Neumeyer said it perfectly in it. It's the feeling you get in your gut when you're in contact with that particular company or that individual or that brand. So I think a big reason that we've thrived is because we built something people cared about. We built a stylized form of content that was kind of not serious. It was like somewhat whimsical, kind of cheesy. We try to keep it simple and we keep the content about what are the problems you are having and what are the problems we're having. And together, let's try and solve them. When I started the page, I think I had 514 followers. And then I would put one post up and nothing happened. Nobody cared. And I didn't care. I put up a post the next day. Nobody cared. After two weeks of doing this, people at work started to be like, yo, Dane, like, what's this stuff you're doing on your page? What do you mean stuff on my page? What is it? I'm like, did you read it? And they're like, no. (laughs) You know what I mean? So people started to notice it, but they didn't really find it interesting And I immediately realized, I was like, you're just not my audience. Like it's not for you. You're not interested in the things I'm interested in. So I just kind of realized quickly that I'm like, that's not my target audience. Like my friends don't care. So what I just started doing just out of interest was I started making friends and then they introduced me to other people. And like that party, I'm just kind of working my way around the party, getting to know people. Then a few of them kind of like featured me in their stories, sent a little bit of attention my way. And once the crowd kind of showed up, it just kept growing. After another two weeks of doing this, I really started building relationships and connecting with people. A little crowd just kind of jump on my page every day. Like the same people would jump on every day because I posted every day about the same time. So every day they would jump on or they would see my post. Then I would jump into DMs and we would chit chat about business and lifestyle. And it was really like an interactive networking experience for me. I wasn't looking at it as like I'm growing my page. I was like, man, this is fun. I like making content. I like getting my voice out there and I like interacting with people. And I think that people picked up on the genuinity of that that's why I was doing it. It wasn't out of any necessity to try to sell something. I wasn't trying to plug anything. And there's certainly, again, there were other people doing it. But for whatever reason, the way I illustrate what I'm trying to say really seems to connect with people.
0: That's a great answer. For For the listener who doesn't know who you are, for that one person out there who may not know who <laughs> Dane Walker yep. is. So you decide, OK, I'm going to open up an Instagram account like all of us do. And then you decide, OK, what was your goal for going on there? And what were you going to post?
1: Oh, yeah. So zero, zero to 514 was just my personal personal lifestyle, right. like me and my dog, me yeah, and yeah. him. <laughs> Yeah, all that type of stuff.
0: And then you decided that you wanted to start your business. And so give a little bit of background of maybe because people don't know your background as far as how you got to where you are today and the content that you're actually posting on there.
1: Yeah, great, great question. Yeah. So my background, you know, before any of this happens, if I was to rewind maybe two years, if I was to go four years before this kind of happened, I was doing network marketing full time. So actually that was, I would say five and a half, maybe six years ago, I was doing full-time network marketing and it was a business. And basically what you did is you you jumped in, you had a a suite of products. In my case, it was electricity, internet, mobile phone plan, stuff like that, right? So I jumped in. I started to meet people. I started to recruit people and I started to sell products. And I created enough energy inside of that that it covered my income. And I got to the point where I was traveling around Australia and uh, I was speaking in front of rooms. Every Friday, every Saturday, and every Sunday, I was in front of a room between 100 to 200 people doing what we call a BOM, which is a business overview meeting. And I would be presenting the products. I worked for big companies like Verizon and Vodafone. And uh, I worked with a couple of different billionaires inside the industry, one of which was the CEO of Optus here in Australia. You know, so there's a lot of big players in, in that hemisphere that I was in, which forced me to learn how to speak in front of a crowd, to learn how to network, to learn how to leverage my time and how to run a business. Because even though it was network marketing, I was inside this greater vehicle, I had a team of over 2000 people that I was in constant communication with. So I was naturally pretty good at juggling a lot of balls. I was naturally really good at teaching and training and and leading. And I was naturally really good at putting ideas together and doing that interesting stuff. So that gives a bit of hindsight. After that, I really lost enthusiasm for that model of business personally, because to sustain it, I had to literally drive sometimes six hours a day, constantly on phone calls, and it was difficult to, to get that thing to be sustainable. I knew where it was going. I just wasn't interested. I wasn't excited. I decided that you know it's not for me. It wasn't fulfilling my creative desires, but it certainly gave me a stack of experience with speaking, training. So after I left that, I was in about a hundred grand debt. So even though I was making money, I was racking up a lot of debt, trying to do all these extra things. So I was kind of like digging myself a hole, even though I was sustaining with my finances. It was a hundred grand in debt and uh, I got together with my then girlfriend, now fiance Ellie. And I was like, yo, wearing debt. Like she's got her debt. I got my debt. So I went into working in a vacuum shop and uh, got really great at that. I was a fantastic vacuum salesman. I am going to say that. I'm just going to be honest about it. So I, I was working there amazing. and uh the, <laughs> yeah, the CEO of one of Australia's largest gym franchises came in to buy a machine to scrub the floors of his gym. And I just gave him world-class service. I was just like, Going above and beyond. I was like, yo, like, don't worry about cutting all this stuff back to the gym. I'll deliver it after work. And they're like, man, you're awesome. So I went out of my own time to take all this equipment to the gym. And then uh, when I got there, the CEO was like, hey, like, we don't know how to use this. Can you show our staff how to use it? I'm like, yeah, no worries. And I spent like two hours teaching their staff how to use all the equipment. And I was like, see ya. And two days later, his 2IC came into the shop and she was buying something. And she noticed that I was alone. She's like, is your boss here? I'm like, no. Why? And she's like, do you want to work at our gym? And I was like, yes. I was like, I hate selling back cubes. So I got a job at that gym. I was just a sales rep. I was just selling membership. My job was to call up people and, and try to get them in the gym. And so I was really good at doing that. And there was a team of, I think, four people at that time, crushed it, absolutely dominated the team. I like tripled their numbers. And the CEO pulled me into a room and he's like, Hey, you want to manage the team? I was like, Yeah. He's like, Okay, hey, now you're the manager. I was like, rock on, man. What do I do now is like lead the team. I was like, great. So, you know, back to my network marketing skill set, that came right back out of the bag. And I started teaching the team like stuff I'd never even experienced before. I like, can teach them psychology, motivation, mindset, delegation. We would spend an hour a day training. And I got in trouble a few times because like, man, you spend so much time training your team. And I'm like, yeah, but we're getting the best results. You know what I mean? So after two weeks of training the team and literally smashed it, number one in the nation.
0: So how did you go from where you were to where you branded yourself on Instagram? Like how did you come up with the business?
1: Yeah. So it wasn't really formed at that point. I knew I had skill set, So I I did a stock take of my skills and I was like, all right, I know how to do Photoshop. I know how to do sales. I know how to build rough website. (laughs) I know how to do a logo. I know how to do some colors. I know how to pick a Cool typography. Like I, I kind of knew this stuff. Like this how is how did you know I, I kinda, all that?
0: Did you learn that? Like did uh, you study that? Or what's your background? Just being, a
1: hobby, being a hobbyist, like okay. I never studied it. I was a part of Warrior Nation and I was running their creative department. So I was the one creating their banners, creating their signatures, creating the artwork for their for their brand. I was pretty much their brand ambassador. Essentially. Oh,
0: okay. You're a creative person.
1: Yeah. And and there was a community in that gaming community of people that would teach each other graphic design as hobbyists. None of these guys were specialists. They were all hobbyists. They all just did it because we were nerding out and uh, we would spend our weekends... Editing pictures of characters from Star Wars over cool backgrounds just because it was awesome. fun. yeah. And because I was 13, that was the thing 13 years <laughs> old There's a lot of skill that got picked up there and a lot of passion and enthusiasm. And I learned a lot from people that were like 30, 40 and 50 years old. Even though I was a kid, there was people that were way older teaching this stuff. So I always had that staple. I always had that background. And I think that when I started building the business, I didn't have an outset of what I wanted to do. All I knew what I wanted to do was I wanted to help people grow their businesses. I wanted to help people with getting attention and all the energy. I had from the network marketing, the gym and all the backgrounds, whatever I was doing, selling vacuums or whatever else. I was like, man, I got a lot of energy and a lot of ideas. I know I can help business owners really put their businesses together, which sounds arrogant because I hadn't really ran a business, but I'd kind of been too IC in a few different scenarios. So I used that energy and I put that into the content. What started happening as the content started rolling out, people started asking me, can you make this content for me? And I was like, yeah. And I put prices together. I started making content for a lot of other personal brands. And initially it was my personal page I was putting this content on and I had the, the agency page. But I noticed very quickly that the personal brand exploded and the agency page didn't get as much attention because I figured that people wanted to, I guess, connect with a person, not a logo. <laughs> I very quickly just went all in on the personal page. And I noticed that Michael Jana, Christo, all those guys had personal pages, not agency pages. And I was like, okay, personal branding is the way to go. I started buying These books and devouring books about content, books about branding, books about marketing. I signed up for courses. Any course I could get my hands on, I would buy it. And I just started really spending all my free time learning and all my other time building content for other people. It got to the point after like three months, I was spending 18 hours a day making content for other people and raking in cash and quickly realizing that I didn't want to keep being a pixel pusher. I didn't want to continue to create content forever. So I started to explore other ideas and other passions. And I'm like, man, I really love branding. Like branding is this really exciting, sexy, fun thing for me. And marketing is a close second. And then sales and business after that. So the more I consumed, the more I fell in love with it. And the more clients started asking about, hey, could you do my logo too? Hey, can you do my website? And then I started realizing that my content creation is not really solving the biggest problem for these businesses. Their biggest problem is getting their identity on the internet. So then uh, I started to get contractors to jump in and help me with websites and help me with logos. It was kind of like I was testing it out and people going nuts over it. So then we just continued to sell branding assets and it's kind of morphed itself into now it's a, a fully fledged branding agency and we offer all branding solutions. You know, So now we specialize in logo design, we specialize in collateral, we specialize in typography and websites and all these fantastic things. But the core of it is really the strategy. That's what's really allowed us to get a lot of great relationships with our clients and to get people really excited about what we're doing is just helping businesses with legitimate strategies to get that branding in the right position.
0: Okay. So let's talk about your personal brand right now, the internet and Instagram and all the social media. I mean, there's billions of people on there and yet your brand stands out. So what do you think it is about your brand that stands out and how would you describe your personal brand?
1: Yeah, great question. I think there's a hindrance with their content that there's an agenda at play. So most pages, like 99% of the time I go to a page, I'm like, yeah, they're trying to sell something. All this person cares about is pitching their product or it seems like it's too self-centric and very infrequently audience-centric. I think that that's one of the first things you can identify in a page is like, hey, does it feel like this page is just trying to sell something? Or does it feel like they're just trying to help people and do something great? And I researched this and I looked at other pages like there's a page called People of New York. And it's just a guy going around with a camera interviewing people in New York. And that I page actually
0: is follow like, that page. It's amazing. It's massive. Yeah.
1: And I was like, this is just, people find this valuable. So I think if you if you look at everything, you know, and this is why we were successful and this is why a lot of businesses struggle is maybe their target audience isn't even on Instagram. The real honest question you have to ask yourself is my business and the people that need my services, where do they typically hang out? Mine just so happened to be on Instagram, but, you know, many businesses, maybe they're on Facebook, maybe they're on YouTube. We had a girl in our academy. She's teaching French. And it's very difficult for on Instagram because not many people are searching how to understand French on Instagram, but they're certainly searching for it on Google and YouTube. So YouTube's her platform, right? So it's a matter of looking at who's your target audience, what could they potentially consume content wise, and how frequently could you create that content? And I think the brands that are really blowing up on Instagram currently are the ones that understand their audience, understand what they like and put it in front of them. And I think eventually when a crowd gets around what you do, that crowd is going to grow itself. And what I mean by that is if the content's good enough, those fans that are consuming the content right now, guess what? They're in connection with other people who think like them, who have similar interests to them. So they're going to feature your story in their stories. They're going to send it to their friends. Someone's going to ask them a question and be like, I don't know, check out Dane's page. We've built a library on our Instagram page of content that solves problems. And I, I literally get notifications of people that scroll through my page and frequently find pieces of content and send it to their friends. And then they tell me that they're doing this. They're like, yeah, just so you know, like if a friend of mine has a problem, I'll scroll through your page and I'll find something that's gonna solve their problem and I'll send it to them. So even my old content still being utilized but I think the reason our brand has thrived and been successful and stood out is the color psychology behind it is is interesting, the typography that we've used. And I certainly use the image play to really spark ideas. Like if you scroll through a feed, typically everything's gonna look very bland for the most part. If you see something that's like bright yellow with bold black text and there's a picture of like an eyeball on it, you're gonna you're gonna stop and be like, "What's this about?"
0: Well, that's what yeah. I was gonna say: is that a how important is color? But b also, as far as your brand goes, I was thinking while you were talking, the one thing that your branding is is it's fun. So you're getting that emotion out of people while they're learning at the same time, which I think is great. A lot of people take themselves too seriously. Your branding is always fun, and it is always educational, and it is always informative, and you do provide all that content. But what about a Business, like, what about somebody who's starting off and they want to go on Instagram? And the reality is, like, They do want to sell something.
1: Give the answer to this question to Seth Godin, who covered this fantastically. And for those that don't know who Seth Godin is, he's like the godfather of marketing. Like, check the guy out. Um, But Seth was asked a question. Essentially, someone said, yo, Seth, like, if you didn't have an audience and nobody knew who you were and you didn't have any money, how would you start over in today's society? Without any hesitation, he's like, I would create some type of social platform. I would identify who I was trying to speak to. Like, who is my target audience? And he's like, I would provide... Some format of free value for that crowd for six months or more without any intention or any inclination to try and sell anything. And once I had fan base and I had a tribe around me that were consuming what I had and that found me valuable and that were connected to me in some emotional format, I would then plug, hey, by the way, I got this product. It wouldn't be the feature. I would just refer to it. And that's a perfect answer to the question because oftentimes people go, here's my product. How do I sell it now? I have a book, how do I sell it now? I have products and services, how do I sell it now?
0: You see it all over Instagram. It's it's actually obnoxious, I find.
1: It is obnoxious great. and it's like, it, yeah, it's like, it's like it's belligerent and it's blunt and it's his great thing It's gonna happen is people are just gonna run for the hills. Like you may as well just put a sign up and it's like, yo, don't talk to me. Like I'm not interested in anything but money. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, you may as well yeah. be honest about it. I think Seth nailed it perfectly and that's provide value. And oftentimes, people are always looking for these keys and these these methods and these tactics and these hashtag strategies and all this stuff. And it's all a waste of time. Best thing you can do is go, who am I speaking to? What matters to them? How can I creatively put it in front of them? So much so that it creates some type of emotional reaction and enough emotional reaction that they want to talk to me. Because if you want a marketing blueprint for 2021, generate conversations. Don't generate leads. Don't generate anything else other than trying to create some format where people want to have a conversation. If you can have conversations, guess where conversations lead? If you're crafty with them, you can craftily create a conversation that drives them towards what their problem is. Have them express, hey, Dane, this is my problem. I don't have attention. My website sucks. I don't have a system. I'm by myself. I'm wearing too many hats. Great. Cool. I have a solution for you. Yeah. What's that? Brand strategy. Let's roll. Yeah. What does that include? It includes all these things. I need all those things. Fantastic. When do you want to start? Start the conversation not there, but like lead the conversation to that destination. The conversation starts with like, tell me about yourself. Like, where are you struggling? Like, how can I help? Tell me about your family, your life, where you're from? What's important to you? What's your purpose? Those conversations get people excited. People like to talk about themselves and if it could be a, a lending year and people trust those that listen. They're certainly going to jump in and take your advice at that point if they're open to it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I read somewhere once where it says, before you post anything, ask yourself, so what? If you ask yourself, so what, before you post it, what's the value? And then, you know, if it doesn't educate, inspire, or entertain, then what are you doing it for? Those are always the three things to have in the back of your mind. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah. Education, inspiration, entertainment. Like they're the reasons people use social. I don't go on Instagram to buy things. I go on Instagram because I'm bored. Well, but some people do. You know? Some
0: people do. I have to, I have to argue because actually my boyfriend, he buys like every day there's something new on Instagram <laughs> that he's bought. So, uh, you know, it's funny. He's on Instagram. He's like, Hey, look at this. And he's always showing me things. So, but I mean, again, it's how it's attracted.
1: People buy those things that they value.
0: And some people buy, he buys stuff he doesn't need, but anyway, but people are online now more than ever. Okay. So let's talk about. About LinkedIn, because you're also on LinkedIn. Not that I'm stalking you or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think that there's a different way for either an entrepreneur or business to brand themselves on Instagram versus on LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, I have to uh, preframe this by saying I'm by no means an expert at LinkedIn, but my observations—I can give my observations mm-hmm. from what I can tell from LinkedIn is that the dichotomy of how people interact on LinkedIn is different. So like Instagram for for primary factors for the purpose and functionality of the platform, at least in its original intention was to serve as a format of entertainment and to serve as a format of people to be able to coagulate and congregate and and hang out. So like Instagram is like a nightclub. You know, you're going to buy cocktails and drinks, right? You're going to go there to buy stuff. But for the most part, you want to have a good time. You want to laugh. You want to have enjoyment. You want to have some type of escapism. You want to forget your day. You know, like a lot of people go on Instagram to kind of get away from their day. People go on there for entertainment, primarily inspiration. And there's certainly a pocket of people that like are fanatical about education. That wasn't there in the, the original days of Instagram, but it certainly exists there now. Like there's oh, yeah. that that tribe is in the tens of millions now. If you imagine Instagram as a nightclub, I would say that LinkedIn is probably more of a corporate function or like a business luncheon or something of that nature where people are there to rally business. That's the main reason they're there. They're like, I'm going on LinkedIn because I want to connect. I need to get myself established. I need to build PR. I need to link in with the right people. That's the name LinkedIn. So I think it's interesting because my observation of LinkedIn is it's certainly moving into the content side of the hemisphere, whereas its origins were more about literally just linking up with people and connecting. So I guess the content side of LinkedIn is really interesting to me because that's in its newborn phase. And I think that... I've experimented there with carousels and people really enjoy that. I make it a PDF and people can swipe through it. On Instagram, you're limited to 10 pages. On LinkedIn, man, you can put a 100-page document on there. People can swipe through the whole thing. So I certainly think that primarily from what I have seen, what I have observed is video content is awesomely important. On LinkedIn, it seems to be doing very well from the clients we have. They seem to do great with video content on there. And then they put in a lot of articles and and a lot of deep, like really deep, insightful, like people will take time to consume that content. On Instagram, they're flicking through the page really fast. LinkedIn, it seems to be slow paced. It seems to be more about really absorbing information and really self-educating and really connecting with people. So my strategy for that, which we haven't launched yet, which we're looking into, is we're certainly gonna look around what groups can we join to, to participate with other people. And how can we kind of spread our wings in the platform to get some traction? So that's our next phase. But I certainly think that LinkedIn is a massive player and it's certainly underrated.
0: Oh, I agree. How old are you? You're 30, right? Yeah, 30. Yep. Yeah. I'm a little... I could be your mother. Let's just put it that way. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> So I've been on LinkedIn for quite a while, actually. And I've always found the value in it just because of my business and connecting with people. And I have seen a huge increase in people and people reaching out to me, and especially now since I started my podcast, people reach out to me probably daily. So I do see the difference. But do you post or would you recommend to your clients and yourself post something on Instagram and you would post something different on LinkedIn? Or do you ever post the same thing?
1: I feel if you want to succeed on LinkedIn, I think you have to consider it in its own nature in a sense that you gotta play by the rules. You can't go into a business luncheon with a whistle and some glow sticks and, and a cocktail. <laughs> Woo like you just left Instagram. Well, plotting, right? yeah, no, you know, no. so they're different they're different yeah. worlds and they require yeah. different Different different, audiences. uh, Different audiences. I would certainly love your ideas, but I think that LinkedIn is a great place, piece of opportunities. I think it's a great networking tool, way better than Instagram. I think Instagram is more content oriented.
0: You know what? I find the biggest thing about LinkedIn, I've actually done some presentations on LinkedIn because it's underutilized in the sense that people think that like Instagram, where you just go on and post. That's how you're going to grow your business. There's so many incredible tools on there that you can use to connect with your connections, connections, and be introduced through LinkedIn. And so there's so many tools people have never even heard about. I talk to people about it. and I go, well, so what do you do on LinkedIn? Like, well, I just post. So there's way, <laughs> more, so there's way more tools yeah. that it offers, which is cool. And I don't get, I don't work for LinkedIn. I'm not getting paid to say this, but I'm just saying it's it's really. And you're right, it is underutilized.
1: Yeah, it's way deeper. Like you can't really manage LinkedIn properly. On- on a phone, you have to be like on a PC really to use it effectively. From my experience, oh yeah, I'm
0: yeah, like yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's like
1: we- tabs everywhere. Like <laughs> I feel like I'm in a cockpit well, of an airplane. I can, yeah. Well,
0: I can. uh I'll talk to you. I have some ideas for you. But let's talk. You mentioned carousels. So what are carousels?
1: Yeah, it's not an amusement park ride. I try to make it feel like one if I can. But yeah, <laughs> the best way to think about it is it's like ten swipes. Like it's like an image on Instagram. You swipe through ten times. The way I view it is it's a micro blog. Like that's all it is. It's a really little baby blog and. Because people on Instagram are flying through the platform really fast. you Can't write a blog in there. People aren't going to take the time to read it. So you have to power phrase a concept or power phrase an ideal or power phrase something that is actionable that someone can apply. And this is the format I use it in. It's 10 blank canvases. And you can do whatever you want with it. But in my case, I use it as a tool to teach. The function of it is I'm just trying to teach something and people can swipe through it and read one sentence at a time, collect an idea, a concept a tool, a story, something that is of some value to do with the problems that my audience seem to have.
0: I love them. Another thing I find on Instagram is that people try to put too much information. you know when you're swiping, you see tons of tons of copy? And and again, maybe I'm older and my eyes aren't as good, but I can't read half the shit that's on there. You
1: know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, oh, but
0: It's true, like you just scroll through. I can't read it. People have all this information on their stories. Your carousels are short, bold, and you're absolutely right. They have an impact. I was, I go through them and I'm like, yes, you know, and of course, because you talk about branding, that's your big thing is that I'm learning a lot as well. So I love that they are really short and to the point and have a lot of impact. So I didn't know that that was called the carousel though, but now I know what you're talking yeah. about. So when I
1: yeah. To- sorry. My apologies. I, no, I, that's I totally okay. Just- I yeah. assume everyone's in, in my niche for some reason yeah, sometimes. I guess,
0: sorry. Is that, a gen- <laughs> um, is that a generational word? Is that like whack or something? No.
1: I think carousel is just, it's a new terminology for Instagram, graphic design nerds, if you will. They're no, fantastic. I- and if I was to add one more thing, it's the visual component, because if you want to teach something fast, the unconscious mind doesn't learn in letters and in audio. The unconscious mind absorbs immediately from pictures. And from symbols and emblems. So I, I try to play tricks on the unconscious mind a little bit with symbolism, really trying to use pictures to really try to get that message across fast.
0: The other thing you do, which I think is a lot of people don't do, is you're consistent. And that's a big thing about branding is it's really important to be consistent so people can recognize it. So you always use the same font. You always use the same color. Why yellow?
1: That's bold. And it's, it's energetic and it's disruptive and it's sometimes a little bit cheesy, uh, which I like about it. Cheesy?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the good thing about that from a branding perspective is you can see it right away, right? You're scrolling and you see your brand, you see the yellow, you see the same font. So how important is consistency, would you say, when it comes to branding? It's
1: everything. I think it builds trust over time. Imagine if Coca-Cola all of a sudden had a billboard and it was blue, you know, like it would just like, well, what's happened to Coca-Cola? Like I think the yeah. uh, same with McDonald's, if you drove in the highway instead of seeing a a yellow arch, you saw a blue arch, you'd just be like, what? (laughs) Like, I think consistency builds security, builds safe, it builds bonds, people create a, a fondness to it. It's like when you see a cartoon or hear a jingle from your childhood, it brings back a flood of memories. You taste an ice cream you haven't tasted since you were three. You're like, whoa, like I'm getting memories back from when I was a little kid. You know, so I think that over time, you start building that into someone's unconscious mind. If they view something enough. And that's certainly going down the marketing route as well. But I think that consistency is going to build a lot of trust. It's going to build bonds. It's going to build you as an expert and it's going to make you seem and appeal as reliable as someone that's always there. That's not going to go away.
0: And how important is color in that formula?
1: Color is great because it signals to the unconscious mind immediately. If you go back to tribal times of humanity, tribes would represent themselves as a color or colors of that nature so that they can identify they have pink feathers and we have brown feathers. We're different yeah. tribes. Like I think intrinsically colors is like part of humanity. People get all caught up with like Yo, red means this and pink means that. And I think, yeah, people will have a general perception like in Japan, a black cat is good luck. In America, a black cat is like literally the polar opposite. So. Color like is dictated by culture, it's dictated by industry, it's dictated by personality, it's dictated by belief systems and upbringings and religion. And color is you can't hide from it. It's something that's immediately gonna grab your unconscious mind and send some type of signal to your emotional bias.
0: I agree. So when you're developing your brand, color is something you want to think long hard
1: about. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. You know, I wouldn't get caught up in like colors mean X. When my fancy yellow and black, they're like, that's Dane stuff. Like that means entertainment. We made a word. That's between education and entertainment, edutainment. <laughs> Looked it up yesterday. It's official word. That's awesome. Apparently. That's yeah.
0: great. Okay. So just quickly, what's your favorite color? Other oh. than
1: yellow, I really like purple. Don't know why. Kind of okay.
0: it. <laughs> I just asked that actually. I was being a little cheeky because you're all in black right now. No one can see you, but you have like a black t-shirt on and a black hat. So I yes, thought you were going to see. Yes, and say, a black yeah.
1: background. And, and a black, black. background.
0: <laughs> my color is red for my brand branding madness. I like red because it's fiery and bright and passionate, and that's how I think I am. So. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, your fans will create an affinity to that. They'll eventually see that pan tone of red and they'll start to go, oh, that's Jolie's content. So, yeah, yeah,
0: we'll see. Okay, so I want to talk about Victory Front. I think it's so impressive that you have grown Victory Front to a seven-figure business in less than two years. Is that correct?
1: Less than one year. Yeah. Less
0: than one. Really? Okay. Can you tell us how you did that? That's incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when I was freelancing and doing all this by myself, creating all this content, I got a lot of DMs, a lot of inquiries from really cool people. And Carlos, who's who's sitting over here, actually, he sent me a message. He's like, dude, your website articles suck. Can I please write some? I was like, go for it, dude. Like write some articles. He started writing some articles and then it kind of morphed into this weekly catch-up call Where Victory Front was this ideal scenario where we were like, let's build like a really fun, epic, Australian based branding agency and let's have two edges of the sword. One edge is that we're going to educate people, and the other side is we're going to build it for them. So we're going to have two models teach them or do it for them. And we can't find another agency that we know of that exists in our marketplace that does that. So we're like, this is really cool. This is our X factor. You know, so we would catch up every week with the money I was making. I would outsource things to them like contractors. I'm like, yo, Carlos, can I get you to help out with this stuff here? And I'll, pay you as a contractor. And Jared was doing stuff and my friend Tyson was doing stuff. So I started outsourcing and delegating things because I couldn't get everything done. And then what happened was I got to the point where things were taking off so fast and there was so much momentum happening that it didn't make sense not to put people on staff. So those who were joining our weekly calls to kind of just jump in and collaborate and just be a part of this community of like, hey, we're going to build Victory Front eventually, right? This thing that we were aiming at. And then one by one, we started putting people on staff full-time. So now we have a full fleet of staff. We have a marketing specialist, a branding specialist, design specialist. got people building websites. They're all professions that they trade. So now as the momentum came from the page, basically I leveraged all the attention for people asking me questions. The conversation piece, right? 2021, how to market in 2021? Conversations. So I started filtering all those conversations through sales calls. And I was selling packages, like $10,000 packages, and people weren't hesitating to buy them you know, so we just kept putting money in the war chest and kept growing the portfolio of things that we could create. It honestly started with me just doing it myself, I guess, outsourcing some of it to consultants and then putting people on staff. And now we're just a fully fledged agency. It's, a, it's official now.
0: That's incredible story. Well, congratulations. So what markets are you currently in other than Australia?
1: Predominantly in America. We have clients in Canada, America, Europe, France, Sweden, London. We have a couple of clients in India, a couple of clients in Nigeria, and we, we also have clients here in Australia. It is certainly global, but by no means, An Australian company. Yeah, it's exciting because I think being able to see people from different cultures and different walks of life, the belief system for American entrepreneurs versus the belief system of Australian entrepreneurs is completely different. Americans are really fast to take action. Australians are a bit more apprehensive and they take time. So it's really cool to see the dichotomy of how different markets interact. But the American market's fantastic. I seem to connect really well over there and uh, and Europe as well.
0: So you are pretty global, I would say. So then obviously COVID is a global pandemic. How is Has it affected your clients in the different markets?
1: When I was doing content creation early on, that's when COVID came on the scene. And I had a lot of clients in New York and I had a lot of clients Mm. in London. And as you know, things got pretty ugly in both those cities. So both those clients, for the most part, lost everything almost, which was really scary for me because I was like, oh man, if these guys toppled over, there goes my paycheck. And it was so unfortunate and really sad to see. But inside of that, it was really cool to see people lose a lot and then just get right back to work and find a way to navigate around it. One lady I was chatting to, she had a, um, a wedding catering company. And then she just turned it into a delivery kitchen and she tripled her profits. So, you know, she's like, wow, like delivery kitchens are huge now. Like, because, you know, people want to order from home. But for me personally, yeah, we lost clients in one pocket. And then we seen an outcry for people going, I don't care that this is happening or this sucks. I got to put what resources I have into getting additional attention online. Because a lot of people were, were relying on face-to-face or retail or warm leads like referrals or um, word of mouth, things like that. And I think people quickly realize like, I have to get on digital. I have to get my website sorted out. I think people realize that they had to create these other mechanisms digitally to get their businesses in a good place. So I would say that the side of the industry, like the marketing and branding and, and advertising side of the space, the money in the marketplace has shifted but the demand is actually going up.
0: I agree totally. So yeah. how do you think branding is going to be in a post-COVID world when this is all over? Do you think now it's changed forever because of what's happened? Do you think people are going to go back? What's your prediction moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think uh, there's going to be a portion of things that are going to go back, of course. You know, things that oh, are Dave? kind of you know, intrinsically, our DNA, we like to congregate, we like to collaborate, we like to spend time with people. So I, I certainly think that there's, I'm not saying there's, that's going to be the majority, but there's always going to be, I think humans are always going to press into wanting to do that naturally by nature. But for the business world, I think that this has shifted and forced people to be a lot more nimble with their way they operate their businesses. So um, I have friends of mine that work in insurance companies where there's like 2,500 staff and they're all working from home. So those companies their protocols and their contingency plans were really tough for them because all of a sudden now their staff are having different emotional problems because they're at home the kids are around they're smoking okay they're so more.
0: i have to say this because you have a newborn i can hear her in the background you mentioned kids are at home <laughs> <laughs> you're being so good your face and i'm just like i it's okay because i know you told me that she's like three months old now how old is she
1: She's five months now. Five um, months, okay. Yeah, I, I can hear yeah.
0: her, and you know, as a mother, I'm like, oh, I can hear her crying. And I
1: know you're being yeah. so
0: good. You're like keeping a straight face. But you mentioned about people working from home with their kids, and you know, this was a perfect example of how people are trying to conduct Zoom and meetings, and you have the the family life going on, trying to meld the two together, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. And and uh, one of my friends, um, she has two kids that are like six and eight. Uh, she lives in in Turkey. And like, there's a lot of stuff going on in Turkey right now as well, right? It's really tough. Like she's in a predicament where there's a lot of threat and literal physical, like you could die type political stuff happening in her environment. So she had to move because of that. So there's that pressure. Plus she had two children. And I remember getting on Zoom calls with her when she's trying to conduct business and they're running around throwing pillows at each other and stuff. And and she's just like at her absolute maximum stress (laughs) wise, you know, like she's just holding it. She's holding it together. She's like, shut up.
0: Before we go, Dane, what's your mission? What's your mission in life?
1: That's a great question. Yeah, for me, I, I really want to make an impact on people. The way I grew up was, you know, without going into detail, it's pretty dark. And I think that there's a lot of challenges and I felt alone quite a lot of time and moving cities every three to six months was always a trouble. And I think that when I was 16, turning 17, I was pretty wayward. You know, I was certainly not investing my time in the right things and I wasn't hanging out with the right people. And it was a really dark time in my life personally. And there was one particular individual that, I guess he could kind of see like where I was at, and for whatever reason, he was like, "Yo, man, like things aren't really great for you, right?" And I'm like, "No, they're pretty, pretty crap." And I told him about where I was at. And he's like, "Come hang out with me and my family." This guy just took me under his wing. He just kind of treated me like I was his little brother or something. He just made me a part of his family, you know. And it was really interesting. that he would mentor me. He would teach me about life. And you know, I got to hang out with his kids and hang out with his wife and go to events and and, and conduct business with them and just yes, just be around them. Like they just kept me around them for whatever reason. I remember like one day after like months of this happening i was like dude i don't understand like why do you care <laughs> like he, like i'm just some kid like why do you care about trying to improve my life in some way and he just he just looked at me blank in the face he's like because i wanted to like because you needed it and I, I wanted to i wanted to help and i was like you don't want anything like you don't want like i feel like I, i'm indebted to you and and he's like no like i just I, I just love seeing people have those moments where their life sucks and then and then they can make things a little bit better and uh, I broke down and I cried. It was really emotionally traumatic for me because like the buildup of, you know, how I grew up into that moment, nobody caring about me, no one really paying much mind or really just, hey man, how, how are you okay? Like, you know what I mean? There was none of that for like 17 years. There's a lot more at, into that story, but I guess to summarize, yeah, it was pretty dark. And then the, the moment that, that this individual expressed that they didn't want anything, they just wanted to help, broke me down because I think, as humans, we can put barriers up and we can can really shelter ourselves and, and really bury that stuff down. And I think that in one moment, <laughs> like the Greg Carter moment, the guy just said this one thing and all this emotion just came out and I, and I, I was healed in that moment because I was like, this is this feels fantastic to get this off my chest. Like, thank you for caring about me. Like, this is what I didn't get as a child. Hmm. And I think wow. children that don't get love and connection, can it can really hurt them. So this is certainly going to answer your question. What happened from there? I was like, this feels great how do I do what you just did for me (laughs) for other people? Right. (laughs) He's like, let me show you. Um, So then from that day forward, since I was 17, I've always been plugging in and trying to find people that have shit that's pretty rough and uh, trying to help them overcome it. So from the age of 17 till the age of 23, I spent a lot of my free time discipling and mentoring kids trying to get off drugs, teenagers that had had sexual abuse happen to them, you know, really traumatic stuff. And um, yeah, I spent a lot like, and I'm talking about like 80 odd, Teenagers that had somehow helped transition from a world of darkness to a life of fruition, and and I still talk to them, and and many of them are now married, and they have kids, and they they run businesses. You know, and it's really great to see. Not one of them, by the way, went back to where they started. Every single one of them had moved on to better things. And I think that if you really connect with humans, and you really give a shit, and you actually pay attention to what's important to them, and, and help them understand what tools they need to get through the next steps, people don't forget that they use that stuff. So my purpose is to create that moment of clarity for as many people as I can. And I think Instagram is a great tool. Educational content is a fantastic mechanism to help people stop for a second and ask themselves a question, Hey, I could do this. And I get a lot of DMs and I can send them to you of people that have messaged me like, Hey man, you inspired me to start my business. Hey, you inspired me to take a risk, to buy a course, to realize I don't have to go to a university, these types of things. And I've had hundreds of those messages. And that's what gets me excited when I get one of those. And it's like, deep and it's long. It's like, yo, dude, like this is what you did for me. I relish in that. And I'm like, that's why I do this. And I think that there's so much value in human connection. I think that's so important. I think the world for the most part has lost that. And I certainly want to try and create that as much as I can in my life in as many ways as I can.
0: That's amazing. Well, it shows you're a very passionate person, obviously. And I think just knowing what I know about you, which is not a lot. Um, you know, you've taken a really bad situation and you've turned it around and now you're paying it forward, right? To sum it up is how I would look at it. Love uh, that.
1: That's a great, great analogy. Okay. okay so, <laughs> but
0: before we go, uh, you know, if people want to learn more about you and about how to connect with you, what's the best way for them to uh, reach out to you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you can, uh, you can go to victoryfront.com and uh, book a meeting with me and my team. If you want help, um, if you just want to connect and reach out, jump on Instagram and uh, look up Dane Walker and uh yeah, I'll, I'll actually reply to you and I will talk to you. So he will you reach I'm out. proof of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it and uh good luck with everything and I, I'm so excited to watch you soar because I have no doubt you're going to. Thank we'll you. It's soon. been
1: amazing. You're you're an amazing host. I had fun. I uh, love Great questions and got to answer things that hadn't been asked before and yeah, I love your energy and I love your insight and how you, you bring in some stuff. Stuff you already researched already, and you know, I do a lot of podcasts where they're just winging it for the most part, so it's really great to see you prep and, and do an intro meeting and send me Wait, questions. Wait, I want to press and...
0: record, hold on. No, I'm just
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I want to watch this again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I appreciate yeah. your feedback, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I'm it, glad st- you it stands had fun. out like it. It stands out, yeah. I had heaps of fun, uh, and it massively stands out because a lot of podcasts are going that they're just winging it. They're just like, "Uh," and they ask a question, you know. So I think you treat it like it's your job, and I think that's very important. And I think you take pride in your work because scheduled it, you did an intro meeting, kept me in the loop, kept contact flowing between you, kept the line of communication for someone as busy as myself. Like I will forget. So those of you that are trying to get a podcast with me, like keep that communication open. It's not harassment. I'm like, oh yeah, thanks for reminding me. I got to make sure I have a plan for that. For sure. Okay. I'll
0: let you go. Thank you again. And uh, I will get on this. I'm excited to launch it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Pumped. And there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe even learned a few things to help you with your branding. And most of all, I really hope you had some fun. This podcast is a work in progress. So please make sure to rate and review what you think and please subscribe to Branding Matters on whatever platform you listen to. And if you want to learn more about the branding badass, that's me, you can find me on all the major social media platforms under, you guessed it, the branding badass. Thank you again. And until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.